Will Smith, huh? I'm really just gonna be on uh, Reddit while you're. Uh... Do I talk about Will Smith slapping the shit out of uh, Chris Rock? It's pretty up to date. Sorry, Will Smith. Dude, I do think it's kind of people are like trying to make him like return his Oscar because Why? they're like, you don't deserve it because you slapped a man on stage. Which, like, I mean, to be fair, he it seemed like an overreaction, especially in the video. He's laughing at the joke, and Jada's really mad. And then Jada definitely looked at him, and he was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. And then Dude, thought he'd make up for it. He's, like, the biggest cuck. Yeah, I love Will Smith. Dude, he but just like, puts up with his wife, like, not only having cheated on him, but then yeah. also going on, a po- like, a podcast and just, like, in detail describing. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, have you ever heard about no. this? No. She was like. Is that, like, like when they interviewed him after and he was crying? On, yeah, that's, like that, that's, that's that, that Will Smith from. meme? It's okay. like, um, it's called, like, the Red Table or something. It's, like, Jada and her weird friends just talking about Jada. And she's just talking about, like, her intimate she sex. She was like, I, I forget who she was. Was it, like, one dude? I think it was, was only like, one guy, and it was only uh, once, but. If you're going to do it, she, you gotta like, do it. Ha- the way she talked about it, she had, like, zero remorse for it. Okay. She didn't even call it, like, like. She didn't say she like slept with anyone. She, I believe, the quote was like she was like I had an interaction with him. Or so I have a question for you: like Is she like famous at all? Like, does she do anything, or is she famous because she's married to Will Smith? Like, is she an actress as well? Like, I don't know. That's because like, I, I'll be honest with you: if I was married to someone and they were not only my breadwinner but they got me living in a Hollywood mansion. Yeah, she's an actress and singer. Okay, well, then I don't know her for fucking anything. I was just saying, like, if I was, like, you know, married to someone who was, like, made it big, was an A-list celebrity, got me living in Hollywood Hills with a basketball court in my backyard, I probably would be faithful. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Or at least just, like, not fucking talk about it with zero remorse. Also that, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the What Happened (laughs) podcast. I guess we're talking about current events. Uh, It happened last night, for those of you who were watching. I'm your host, Ryan, and that's your host, Owen. Hello. We talk about history. We're just talking about wild shit. It doesn't have to be... I mean, I guess history really encompasses literally anything. Yeah, if it happened yesterday, it's history. It's history. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, what's your story about this week? All right, man. So do you remember the episode about the man that survived at the bottom of a tugboat for a couple years? Yes, I do. We still regret to this day. We didn't name it what we wanted to name it. Yeah, so... um, in our I think po- we've mentioned it. So in our podcast infancy, for those that don't know, we were very wary about being our uh, true selves. Yeah, I which guess I'm I'd sure you've caught onto that now um, that we don't. It's, it's got a lot worse over the over the. Uh, we're a lot crass, more crass yep. than we used to be. Yep. We wanted to name the uh, episode about this Nigerian dude who got uh, trapped in a sunken boat for like three days. Yeah, Nigerian lived. mermaid. Yeah, but, but we, we figured didn't. it was bad taste. Yeah. So. <laughs> I guess he's still alive, even though we've made like other puns off other people. It's but... still one of the funniest jokes that I've ever heard in my life. It's just the term Nigerian mermaid. The fact that I was sitting in my bed just giggling like for 10 minutes before I told it to you is still my favorite thing. <laughs> Either way, so we talked about that guy, yeah. uh, his survival-esque kind of thing, even though he just kind of floated there. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of sat in a dark, wet room for two days. Uh... I have another survival story for us today. Ooh. This one I named The Desert Revenant. Ooh. And like, I'll, the, like the movie. Yeah. Revenant. But I'll link it to... Uh, I'll, I'll explain why I linked it with the name Revenant, but... Um, I love that movie. It's a great movie. I've actually never seen it in full, and I don't know why, because it's a great movie. I've just... Like, I've seen it. I've just never seen it in one sitting, if that makes it, sense. It's hard to watch. There's, like, zero dialogue. It's I watch it because it, it has a lot of, like, really cool cinematography. 
That's why I love it so much. The, the fact story that they kinda... trained a real bear. <laughs> <laughs> the story's kind of boring, yeah. I will admit. It's literally just about a man not trying to die. Yeah, but there are a lot of like cool like one-shots. Mm. Did he win an Oscar takes. for that? Was that the one that finally broke the cherry? Yeah, for some reason, even though it's the one that he speaks like two words in. <laughs> he acted well. Yeah. I'd be afraid if a real bear mugged me like that. It wasn't that. a real bear. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Either way. So, uh, um, according to Webster's Dictionary, Ryan, revenant means one who has returned as if from the dead. Uh, so, uh, we just we just said it. I was going to ask you in this thing, but you've seen the movie Revenant. Correct. We've just talked about it. Great movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio. 2015. Did pretty well for and, itself. And uh, the other guy. The bear. The one who's not Channing Tatum. I genuinely don't know. He was in Dunkirk too. He was Bane. What's that guy's name? Oh, the British actor. Yeah. Uh, almost said Harvey Weinstein. I almost said <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Yeah. I don't know. Is it Harvey? We got Harvey on the. Is it Harvey today. something? No, it's not. What's his fucking name? I'm looking right up. He's also in Venom, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not a good movie, like at all. I never seen it because I heard it was, it was so bad. It was fucking terrible. I watched it at the firehouse. It was awful. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Eh. Harvey. Yeah. yeah. Hardy. The Hardy Boys. Anyways, uh, wait, he's in that. Yeah, he's the guy who leaves him for dead. Ah. Oh. He's like, I did everything good, and then he comes back and he's like, he left me for dead. Direct quotes from the movie. So, uh, apparently, as an attempt to promote uh, the 2015 movie, The Revenant, 20th Century Fox aired many other, quote, Revenant stories, is what they called them, uh, on, like, YouTube as, like, a a way to promote the movie itself. They had, like, a list of, like, 15 Revenant stories where they interviewed survivors. And this is where I got this idea, because one of the survivors, one of the Revenant stories, uh, was this man named Mauro Prospetti. Oh, uh, good old Mara yeah. uh, He was an Italian, a police oh, officer, really? and former so, some kind of Olympian. <laughs> I wrote it down somewhere. I don't know where it is, but please uh, tell me he did like the ribbon twirling in the Summer Olympics. Did he probably did that? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's Italian. Like, he's technically an Olympian, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like I do cooler shit. You know, laying down in my bed. You know, like bobsled. All you gotta do is sit in the fast chair. Yeah, but and I think there's like I think you gotta lean to like steer it and shit. Oh, you fucking lean left and right, and you get a gold medal for that. I, oh, the one I wouldn't do is uh, a oh, luge. Fuck. No, the skeleton. What's the skeleton? It's like a head first luge. Jesus. Christ. Yeah. Do you yeah. lay in your stomach or your? Yeah, you lay in your stomach. Fuck that. Yeah, dude. that that one seems a little fucked to me because if you like, you could just send yourself. <laughs> I thought Lindsey Vaughn taking out her knee was bad, but holy shit. That's a good reference. Topical. <laughs> All right, so Ryan. If you could, because I know you can't, and I can't either, so I'm not throwing shade, don't worry. But would you ever run a marathon? Uh, yeah, maybe just once to see. I like always wanted to, like, told myself I'd run the Boston Marathon, and then my life went a different direction. I wanted to at one point, um, because there was this girl that I liked, and I was like, I'm going to trying to impress her ran... with a 26-mile well, no, marathon? she ran the marathon, and I was like, oh, I'll train, and I'll run it with her, and then I know. It turned out I'm so see, but I feel like shit. I would train and then just show her that I genuinely can't do it while I'm leaving in, like, a Natick ambulance. <laughs> also, I feel like uh, me, like, shitting myself on yep, mile five yep, is, like, yep. not the way to win over no, the heart of no, a girl. No, crying on heartbreak hill (laughs) uh so either way um would you run a marathon an ultra marathon a 150 mile six day long 250 kilometer marathon through the sahara desert 
Do you sleep at any point during that? Yeah, you sleep. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I'll explain the actual like marathon itself. But would you ever run through the Sahara? It's something like Walter Goggins shit. What like is David Walter Goggins? Goggins? I don't know. There's this. Book. You mean Dave Grohl? <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. to Taylor Hawkins. Hey. No, uh, I don't know. He's on. Ro- he was on Rogan. He's like this ex-marine or some Na- Navy SEAL or something. He just runs a lot. Oh, the Billing. Oh, you mean J- Jaco? Jacko? No, Willing- not Jacko Willing. Yeah, there you go. That Dave- guy's it, fucking intimidating. Yeah, no, his name's like David Goggins. Huh? And he just wrote a book about how you don't be a bitch and just like do it. I should probably read that. And yeah. So this three. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Sahara Desert is a three point six million square mile desert. That is nearly the entire size of the United States, including Alaska. They didn't say including Hawaii, but I, I assume Alaska is bigger. This so. one in Northern Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. Kuwait and shit. That's not Africa. Kuwait is not in Africa. Isn't it Tickle Africa? <sighs> Guy. <laughs> wait, the... Kuwait is. Oh, in I'm the... thinking of. Wait, no. Where's Momar from? What? Momar Gaddafi. Syria. Oh, no. oh no. Gaddafi's Le- like. Uh, Lebanon. I, uh, Le- yeah. No. Um. Uh, I, I think it's no. What's the? Uh, it, 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 isn't he the the one where the fucking thirteen hour took place as well? With uh, shout out to Hillary Clinton. No, that was Benghazi, wasn't it? Yeah, but the, I'm thinking no, of Libya. No. Libya. That's yeah. that's 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 the same. Benghazi's like a, a, a town. I just assume everything that bad <laughs> that happens over there happens in uh, Mogadishu, <laughs> Somalia. <laughs> so either way, uh, yeah, it spans from like Morocco going to like uh, Egypt and shit. So it's like one side to the other of Africa. Yeah, uh, it, it's actually uh, Algeria to Egypt. Well, this doesn't place, even touch Morocco. That's not in oh fact, the desert. That's not, Sorry, I thought we were still talking about Libya. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus! I was like, that's not at all correct because this race starts in Morocco. Shit face. Ooh, Apple Maps is a three D fly through of Naples, Italy. Yes. All right, please. all right, Ryan, Ryan, snap to it. Hey. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, believe it or not, this desert is known for its intense heat and sand dunes. Uh, the surface temperature of the Sahara dunes has been measured at more than 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, rainfall, rainfall and vegetation growth is minimal, and the odds of encountering another person are extremely low. That's not, one of those deserts where it's not, it, there's no like cactus, it's just sand, right? Yeah, it's just like yeah. sand, yeah. Are you going to pay attention to me now? Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at a, uh, a 3D flyover of Naples, Italy, and it is very low resolution. Oh, hold on. No, we've definitely been up. recording for at least 20 minutes, and we have not gotten to a story. Dude, this is pretty cool. you got to check this out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. What do you want, Google Maps? Apple Maps, dude. Oh, fuck Apple Maps. I don't Maps. know why Apple's investing in their literally worst product. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is valid. All right, continue. So... <laughs> Uh, in 1994, Prospetti participated in the marathon. It's Des Sables, but I assume it's French because it's like Morocco. Des Sables. Des Sables. So the Marathon Des Sables. Uh, so also known as the Marathon of the Sands or the Sahara Marathon. Interesting. Uh, the Marathon Des Sables has been called the toughest foot race on earth. Oh, like Hidalgo. I don't know what you're referencing. It's a Vigo Mortensen movie about him racing a horse through the desert. The six-day annual ultra marathon <laughs> covers 156 miles or 250 kilometers, uh, roughly the same as six regular marathons, and it takes place in the Sahara Desert, desert specifically southern Morocco. Damn, dude. Uh, so the website describes this race as quote 
MDS is a truly grueling multi-stage adventure through a mythical landscape in one of the world's most inhospitable environments. Do they just like let anybody join this, or do you have to like qualify? I, I don't know. I didn't like, dive that I much into it. Could I sign up for this online and just die in the Moroccan <laughs> desert? <laughs> there, okay, I'll get to it, but you have to sign a form on where you want your body sent. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Makes sense, I guess. Um, in one of the most hospitable hospitable environments. No, inhospitable. Inhospitable. Fuck you, the Sahara Desert. You have to be self-sufficient. Yo, and wait, Naples has a God fucking damn it, shut volcano the fuck in the up. middle of it. Nobody cares. Yo, Vesuvius is right by Naples? Should we just restart this whole thing? Because <laughs> your fucking ADHD is kicking in real bad right, right now. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Continue. God damn it. <laughs> you have to be self-sufficient and carry all your own food and equipment for the week on your back. That's kind of lame. They could Com- just hire like a guy with a dune buggy to like follow <laughs> Yeah, right? Uh, communal goat, goat hair Berber tents are pitched every night. But apart from that, you have to take it with you. Uh, water is rationed, and if you exceed the ration, you get a time penalty. Fuck that. <laughs> that seems that is like the most fucked part of all that of this. Seems it. like a massive liability. Yeah. So in 1994, Italian police officer and former Olympic pant athlete—that's what he is. Pant athlete. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Mauro Prosperi was looking to push his physical limits. Uh, at the time, he was 39 years old, married, and had three young kids. So I have a quote. I have actually like many quotes from Prosperity in this, uh, in his interview with like the Revenant guys. Uh, but so in his quote from Prosperity on his feelings about the race, he oh, said, it means quote, you did a pentathlon. Pentathlon? So pentathlete is a pentathlon. It's an athletic event cons- uh, comprising five different events from each competition. What are the, what are the competitions? What are the five sports they do? Dude, your ADHD is fucking full Fencing, force today. Swimming, horse riding, running, and laser shooting? This cannot be right. Anyways, continue. Are you going to pay attention now? It's from a .NET, so actually it might be. It, it might be pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he said, quote, I love a challenge. So I started training immediately, running 25 miles or 40 kilometers a day, uh, reducing the amount of water I was drinking to get used to dehydration. It just seems unhealthy. Right? I was never home. My well, My wife... Cynthia uh, thought I was insane. The race is so risky that you have to sign a form to say where you want your body to be sent in case you die. Unquote. Do you want to sent back to Italy? I, uh, that's my assumption. Naples. Yeah. Yeah. They just dump you in chance. front of your house. <laughs> <laughs> so after intense preparation, he flew to Morocco to begin the race. Although it now draws roughly 1,300 participants every year. At the time he was going, there was only about 134 comp- comp- competitors. So you think numbers would go down over the years. Yeah. Especially since a man, you know, what, I'm, what happened, what I'm about to fucking talk about. So as a result, Prosperi says he was on his own for most of the six-day journey. But it's, like, reported, like, a lot of people clump together and, like, do all the, like, journey together. Because one yeah. guy carries the tent. The other guy carries all the water and your food. You have yeah. to pack your food in water. Yeah. Which Wait, seems... you don't pack your own personal food in water? They have one guy for water, one guy for no, food. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, you do, but I'm saying, like, people partner together now. Oh, gotcha. So, like, you have to carry your own tents and shit, too. So, they probably have one guy carrying the tents, one guy's on the water. Wait, you I know. thought they said the tents were provided. Oh, my God. Dude, if you listened no, to what I was saying was the at the beginning. tents that were pitched. Yes, and you have to carry them every day. No, I fucking then you said, said that. apart from that, you have oh, to bring God. everything else. Yes. What does provi- apart from that mean? Your food and water. I was. I listed all of it. If you the weren't fucking looking on Naples, like the race organizers. Fucking oh my god! Tents no, no. It's Buddy, the quote from their website. Right now, if you don't shut the fuck up, dude. If you would listen, you fucking I idiot. I was looking at a volcano. <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, 
Uh, so the fourth day of the marathon uh, constitutes its longest single stage with a 57-mile trek through the desert between two campsites. So on April 14, 1994, blistering sun elevated temperatures to 115 degrees as Prosperity passed the third checkpoint. 20 miles into the day's journey, per regulations, he picked up his allotted 2-liter ration of water and continued running. Damn. It's 115 degrees outside, and you have to run 57 miles in a day. It doesn't seem like hospitable, like, like compatible with human life. Like, like my brain just, like, can't comprehend people doing this. Yeah. But, like, 57 miles in a day on 2 liters of water in, the, in a 115-degree in a desert on sand. Yeah, that also sucks. Yeah, not right? running on pavement. Also, like, I, I saw pictures of like, all the people, and they're all wearing, like, shorts and, like, the, like, running shirts and shit. Yeah. But they're wearing, like, shin guards for snakes. It's like, <laughs> that seems awful. <laughs> like... Sidewinder grabs you <laughs> the ankle. <laughs> uh, so, shortly after 1 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, high winds brought on an unexpected sandstorm that caused, caused the organizers to pause the race for the day. Other competitors waited out the storm and eventually made it to the fourth checkpoint by nightfall. But Mr. Prosperi had disappeared. What if he got lost in the yeah, sandstorm? Yeah, he literally just, like, I have a quote from him. He's just like, I lost all my senses that, like, make me make good decisions. Yeah, that happens when you're, like, so dehydrated. Yeah, and like in a sandstorm. Like, there's stories of, like, some people will be carrying water and they get super dehydrated and get, like, heat exhaustion. They can't find their water, even though it's, like, in their backpack. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. really? Yeah. You just go, <laughs> you just get dumb. Yeah. All right, so the following morning, uh, ground and air search parties were sent out to look for him. The Moroccan military and fellow c- civilians, uh, trackers aided in the search. However, they found no trace of Prosperi. Yeah, damn. Well, uh, we'll get into the details of his survival in just a second, uh, but he spent 10 days in the Sahara, uh, and he wandered about 180 miles or 290 kilometers all the way to Algeria. Don't they say you're supposed to stay put? Yeah. Like, that's the one rule, is if you get lost, you just well, stay there until somebody comes and I'll find get you. to it. If that was a rule. I'll get to it. But he said he sat still, and a helicopter flew directly over him, and then it just left. <laughs> and then he stayed still again, and then an airplane flew over them, him, and it also just left. He was like, fuck so this. So then he was I'm like, walking. fuck this place. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, so uh, I have some quotes from him. Um, oh, I just fucking... Oh, God. Oh, God. I, sorry. So, long quote from uh, Prosperi on his survival. Quote, I was losing the specific senses that usually help me solve problems uh, while we, he was in the sandstorm. And uh, speaking on his survival, he says, quote, I ate what I would find along the way. In this Muslim shrine, I ate a lot of bats, snakes, desert mice, those kind of things. Oh, naturally. Desert little, mice. Yeah, right? <laughs> little by little, I stopped tasting them. Um, the same happened with the taste of the urine that I drank. Oh, I even, his own piss? Yeah, I even tried to commit suicide. At that point, my blood must have been so thick because the cuts clotted immediately. What the fuck? He was just so dehydrated Damn, that he went dude. to cut his wrist and he just he just couldn't bleed. Ketchup coming out? Yeah. So when the sandstorm started to blow, I lost sight of everybody else. I kept running, though, because I thought I could see the trail. I was, I was in seventh place and I didn't want to lose my standing. <laughs> it was nearly dark before the winds relented. I started running again, but after a few minutes, it occurred to me that I had lost the trail. Really, dude? <laughs> so, uh, Prosperi says that he then backtracked for hours, but it soon became too dark to continue searching for the trail markers. Uh, he says that he, quote, made camp and resumed the search at dawn, only to find his surroundings completely unfamiliar, because he's in the desert he's never been to. Did I pass that dune already? Yeah, right? He also had little food and almost no water left, because you carry all your own shit. You'd think they would make the, <coughs> the markers, like, way, like, like tall. obnoxiously 
easy to find. Yeah, tall and not painted tan. <laughs> <laughs> it's Some crazy, color man. that stands Ex- the fuck out. Exactly tan on the bottom and bright blue on the <laughs> yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. That way it looks cool. <laughs> uh, so following the race guidelines um, that are... Wait, following race guidelines to remain stationary and wait for rescue, Prosperi sat on the sand dune all day. In the afternoon, he says a rescue helicopter flew almost directly above his position, but failed to notice him. The next day, he decided to begin walking again. He later told BBC that, quote, I had a compass and a map, so I thought I could navigate perfectly well, but without points of reference, it became more complicated. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of points of reference You're in the like, desert. You're just like, oh, God, that's Marsan, that's mountain. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be fucked. So in the distance, Prosperi noticed what appeared to be a solitary structure. As he approached, he recognized it, at, recognized it as a marabout shrine, uh, which is was an abandoned tomb for a Muslim religious leader. Is that where he ate the mice? Yeah. So he just like bats. held up in this like old mud hut with a dead guy in it, and then just like killed bats and mice and shit. I feel like neither of those are easy to catch animals. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. He also said, I think I have it in here, but he also said he like would try to cook them. But then realized he was so dehydrated that he'd rather eat it raw to get all the juices. Yeah, it makes sense. Which is still disgusting, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so uh, although there was no rescue to be found within the shrine, uh, it provided shade and other resources. Uh, in an attempt to stay hydrated, Prosperi sucked on wet wipes from his pack, licked morning dew off rocks, and drank his own urine while it remained relatively clear. And aren't wet wipes with like... Alcohol. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that would help. That would probably dry you the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, he also used urine to rehydrate and cook the freeze-dried food in his ba- in Ooh, his pack. Delicious. Oh, <laughs> you thought MREs were already bad enough. <laughs> Eating some beef stroganoff cooked oh, in piss. Oh. <laughs> I just wouldn't eat. Yeah. Ugh. You gotta keep your calories up, you know, if you want to make it to Algeria. That's a good point. Uh, so when his food stockpiles ran out, Prosperi said he ate bird eggs and beetles. Uh, he also said that uh, he killed and consumed raw bats and lizards he found near the shrine, hoping to absorb the moisture that might be removed by cooking. Mm. Uh, he also, like, he kind of came prepared for this. He packed anti-diarrhea meds that he was, like, popping all the time. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Help him retain some of that water. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't think raw bat is exactly <laughs> going to cooperate <laughs> good for you, with the yeah. lower intestines. Doesn't keep you regular. <laughs> um, so, yet again, an airplane passed nearly... Near Prosperi's location. He says he tried to signal it by lighting a fire and writing SOS in the sand. And the plane just kept flying. <laughs> I feel Shout like if I was... Fucking yeah, Moroccan... Right? Era. You're in an airplane. You see a little bit of fire and you see letters. Uh, I understand you don't speak SOS, right? I get it. But, it, like, <laughs> it's clearly out. man-made. <laughs> Shout out to the Air Force there. They're clearly doing strong work. Do they have an Air Force? Or do you think they just have like Can an I old? Did the military was helping? Fight? Yes, but do you or think they like... have an old like Italian Cessna? They have like a 1984 Mig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yep. With just like fucking retrofitted parts on it. Yeah. Um. So once this plane passed, uh, he 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 started to feel distraught and uh, a little suicidal. Yeah, I would because you know, uh, it's like day six out there right now. I would not hold up hope. No. <laughs> um. So distraught and suicidal, Prosperi took his pocket knife to cut his own wrists. Uh, in a cr- cruel twist of fate, he was so, so dehydrated that his blood coagulated immediately, preventing death. His blood was just so thick, it wouldn't even drain out of him. So, uh, hold on. Let, let's examine this guy's frame of mind, right? This guy goes into a race, and he he has to sign a waiver saying, hey, if you die, like, you know, like, where do you want your body? So, Correct. he clearly knows that there's a high risk of death. Yep. And he's, like, still too much of a pussy to, like, he's, like, going to kill himself. 
What would you do if you were stranded in the desert? And just, just yeah, keep but, walking until you die, dude. But like, I, I mean, I kind of get the psychological effect of it because like you had two rescue helicopter or a helicopter and a plane both go right above you and not see you. Yeah, but like you can either end it there or you can just start walking in any direction and hopefully you'll survive. That's a good point. Or you'll just drop it. But what's easier, Ryan? Well, obviously not killing yourself apparently because <laughs> he tried and he just fucking couldn't. Yeah, so he said he like he was laying on like cuz you have to bring a sleeping bag and all that yeah. shit with you, right? And he said he was laying on a sleeping bag and his like wedding ring fell off his finger because he lost like 36 pounds when he was out there. Did and that was like back? right after he cut his wrist and then he was just like this is my fate. Like I even lost my wedding ring. <laughs> and then he cut his wrist and then it didn't work and then he laid there and then just picked his wedding ring back up and was like it's not my fate. I have my wedding ring. <laughs> and it's like, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just put it in your goddamn pocket. <laughs> but, like, I guess, like, the airplane and his wedding ring falling off was just, no, too much. Too much for this man. What do you think his wife said before he left? Dude, do not do this. You're going to die in the fucking desert. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like if I was going to do it, which I never would, I'd want to do it with a group of people I knew. You know, it'd be like you and like three other people and we'd be like, we're all fucking stick together. And if I, if like I lose you or something, we actually try to find but you. But it also like, seemed like he wasn't running like crazy endurance races before this. He probably was. Oh, really? But yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a pant- pantathlete. Oh yeah. Really good at that. Was yeah, he fenced and then rode a horse apparently. Something like that. <laughs> and then laser tag. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> that's, that's what it said. It said laser shooting kind of sick <laughs> get to fence a dude and then shoot him with laser tag <laughs> all right so it is a final attempt to reach Chuck E. cheese to train <laughs> <laughs> uh so in a final attempt to reach safety prosperity set out from the shrine and began wa- walking toward mountains in the distance uh traveling early in the morning and late in the evening to avoid the heat of the day uh, he left pieces of his gear behind to form a trail of breadcrumbs although he believed the mountains to be in the direction of the marathon's trail it in fact led him to Algeria. <laughs> it could be worse. At least he didn't go to Libya. That's a good point. War zone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so as he passed dry riverbeds, he squeezed liquid from plant roots. Then, after eight days in the desert, Prosperi found a desert oasis. Uh, he told BBC that, quote, really, it was only a large puddle. <laughs> hey, a puddle's uh, a puddle in the desert, you know yeah. what I mean? I threw myself on it and gulped with abandon, but I could hardly swallow. I managed to force a mouthful of it down, and almost immediately, I vomited. Yeah, sounds about right. I couldn't hold anything down. I found it. Ha- I had to take tiny sips, one every ten minutes. Damn. Uh, that was his quote. So with the first thirst finally quenched, Prosperi filled his water container and kept walking. Eventually, he found some dried-up goat droppings and continued searching for more. Not to eat. That's <laughs> just... what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's also what I thought. Is he just looking for, like, civilization? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you imagine you're just, like, a, a noble Algerian, like, Berber... Oh, the dead, the dead king person. Well, no, like so, like Berbers are like a, like a group of nomadic people that live in this area. Are they like Bedouins? Yeah, and this is who he like stumbled upon. I think Bedouin lifestyle would be really cool. You think so? Just driving through the desert in the back of a pickup truck would be <laughs> fucking awesome, dude. But can you imagine you just like crest a hill to check on your sheep, and there's this man eating just fucking goat shit, <laughs> <laughs> eating a fucking camel, dude. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Dude, a while ago, I found... Choking it out, just on the <laughs> ground, choking it. <laughs> a while ago, I found a recipe for a stuffed camel. How does one come across a camel in the U.S.? Hold on, I... Hold can, on. Can you I get, have like, it, I have it. Can you get, it. like, domesticated farmed camel? That's a good They're question. They're not endangered, like... 
It's I'm, like getting horse meat. It's probably weird to get, but like you can get it, right? Just buy it on butcherbox.com. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, stuffed camel requires one whole camel medium size. Motherfucker. What's this? What does that mean? <laughs> one. What does that mean? What well, size is a medium sized camel? <laughs> what kind of camel is this? The two humpback? Yeah, the how one many hump? hands is it? That's a thing, right? Well, that, yeah. Isn't that, well, that's how like the Native Americans measured horses. Well, they still call. They still do that with horses. They'd be like, "Oh, he's six hands tall." Or that's a tiny. That doesn't horse. mean anything to me. Um, I have small hands. <laughs> I think a hand. It, what they, if what if it's Shaq and I it, measuring a goddamn horse? <laughs> <laughs> they made it a standardized measurement. Um, but okay. Oh, so a stuffed camel requires one whole camel. It also requires one whole large lamb. No, do you put the lamb in the camel? Oh, it, it also requires. <laughs> 20 whole chickens, medium size. Dude, how big is a medium camel? <laughs> it also requires 60 eggs, 12 Whoa. kilos of rice. Jesus Christ. 2 kilos of pine nuts, 2 kilos of almonds, 1 kilo of pistachio nuts, 110 gallons of water, 5 pounds of black pepper, and salt to taste. Do you like... Is this one of them like when you cook it in the ground? You ever seen where they like dig holes in the ground to make a fire and then like cover it up? So how do you cook it? How do you cook know. it? Uh, I can't well, cook it on my barbecue grill. Dude, you have a tiny fucking George Foreman out there. It's a, it's a Weber, actually. Here, let me let me read you the recipe. Uh, skin, trim, and clean the camel. Oh, God. This <laughs> is from the start. Dude, I like that. I love whoever wrote this. Skin, <coughs> skin, trim, and clean the camel once you get over the hump. <laughs> Can you use camel uh, skin for shit? I don't know. Uh, it says, boil until tender. Cook rice oh, until of course you boil the meat. fluffy. How do you uh, boil that? <laughs> do I, I, I clearly don't cut it up if it's stuffed. How do I boil that? What do they expect me to fucking own? <laughs> a vat? A massive camel vat? Uh, just like a massive wok? <laughs> uh, fry the nuts until brown and mix with the rice. Wait, Har- wait, the camel's nuts or like the <laughs> no, almonds? The pine nuts. <laughs> hard-boiled eggs and uh, peel them. Oh, come on. That's the grossest part. I have to eat hard-boiled eggs with a camel? Stuff cooked chickens with hard-boiled eggs and rice. Stuff the cooked lamb with the stuffed chickens and more rice. And then stuff the camel with the stuffed lamb and add the rest of the rice. May I ask where you found this? Uh, I don't know. I posted this on Instagram in uh, December of 2013. Jesus Christ. Caption was, this is what I'm going to have for Christmas dinner. Did you? And it got three likes. Did you have it for Christmas dinner? No, I couldn't get my hands on a camel. Who liked it? Like two of your friends on a random like bot? Uh, that's exactly what happened though. That is <laughs> exactly what happened. It's two of my friends and an account called Yazudia. Yep, there it is. Yeah. It doesn't appear to be a bot account, but it's a random woman I've never met. Ooh. Dude, hit her up, dude. Uh, she has not posted since October 21st. 2014. That seems like a red flag to me. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck were we talking about? Camels. Holy shit. Um, oh, goat droppings. Oh, yeah. He was eating. He, uh, yeah, so he wasn't eating the gross, the, the goat droppings. He was trying to find civilization. So the droppings led him to human footprints. He recalls that, quote, I crested a hill and beheld an incredible sight. Is it just like four huts? There is a really hot eight, eight-year-old girl, apparently. <laughs> oh, just like in the Jungle Book. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, a nomad girl, maybe eight years old, tending a flock in the sparse greenery of a wash. 
I ran toward her and begged for help. Can you imagine being an eight-year-old, some just like emaci- emaciated Italian guy? Yeah, with a like, like slit a wrist. <laughs> <laughs> I did it a run. I had a... <laughs> uh, yeah, so he begged her for help. So the girl was part of a caravan of nomadic Turing people. Turing. T U A R E G Turing people. T U A Turing. T U A Turing. Who knows? Either way, they're nomadic people that live in, like, Algeria, Morocco, desert shit. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, who immediately gave Prosperity goat milk, which, in my opinion, is not what I want to be drinking after 10 days in a desert. It's just <laughs> warm goat milk. <laughs> You're just suckle on this. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I appreciate the gesture, but I don't want it. <laughs> like, can you imagine being so severely dehydrated? It takes you one sip every 10 minutes from, a like, a, a little, like... Yeah, think how much of water? goat milk do you think you can get down? <laughs> can you imagine he was just sitting there like, oh, with it, like, just Fucking, popping diarrhea pills? I mean, milk in the heat is already not good. Yeah. So that yeah, so that happened. So despite starting in Morocco, Prosperi had um, traveled 180 miles from where he disappeared, unknowingly wandering into Algeria. Now, Ryan, local military police initially confronted him due to tensions between the two countries and almost didn't return him to Morocco. That makes sense. Uh, But after finding out who he was and where he came from, they ended up taking him to a local hospital first. Uh, So Prosperi reportedly lost 35 pounds, weighing in at just 99 pounds when he was rescued. Uh, Doctors said his liver had almost completely failed. Sorry, my uh, phone. I I got a phone call. Ooh, you're... Yeah, Apple. my phone's Bluetooth to my iHome. Your iHome from 2012 lights up like that. That's cool. I actually cool. got it two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Who called you? You need to take it? Is that an unknown number? I'm not going to call him back. They can leave me a message. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so they said that his liver had almost completely failed, and hospital staff gave him 16 liters of IV fluid. That's a fucking lot of fluid. I hope over a, like a course of time, it doesn't say, but I'd love to just flood that motherfucker in oh, like yeah. 10 hours. Coughing <laughs> shit up. <laughs> Uh, uh, so um, he said that he uh, received a warm welcome uh, when he got back to Italy and although he was unable to eat solid food for several months after the ordeal he says he <coughs> it took him almost two full years to recover makes sense now Ryan there's controversy really a few adventurers in goat milk he drank <laughs> and journalists have doubted the accuracy of Prosperi's story considering the near superhuman feats it entailed some claim he staged what, or eating exaggerated. a fucking raw bat is superhuman yeah I don't know. Or the fact that Jesus was looking over him when he tried to slit his wrist or something. I don't know. Maybe. Or the Muslim god of the shrine he was in. I believe that's they, Muhammad. No, they said that, like, it was... The shrine he was in was, like, a... Like an old... Or not god. Like a like a Muslim preacher in the middle oh, of gotcha. fucking nowhere. Uh, so it, they claim that he staged or exaggerated the ordeal uh, in looking for money and fame. Even I mean, the marathon founder himself... Patrick Bauer told Men's Journal that the story is a fabrication and a physiologically is and is physically log- physiologically impossible. <laughs> Words are fucking hard, dude. I don't blame him, man. If I went through, if I got lost in the woods for like four hours, I'd come out yeah. like fucking my shirts all torn yep. with a yep. space blanket on and be yep. like, "You will not believe what happened to me." <laughs> I there. hunted a squirrel, ate justice testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. That is fair. Write a fucking uh, memoir. So even the, the guy who created the fucking marathon was like, this is bullshit. But he also probably could have just been doing that to be like, it's not our fault. Like, he clearly didn't go through all this. He was probably only lost for 30 minutes, even though it was like yeah. 10 full days. But I think it was just this guy trying to cover his ass. But 
So these statements caused Prosperi himself to consider a lawsuit against Bauer, but he eventually dropped it, stating that the dispute was personal rather than legal. Damn. However, the well-documented physical damage Prosperi endured would have been excruciating and left lasting effects on his body. Uh, he said that he had visible... So, uh, the men's journal interviewer, I don't know what the, I'm quoting here, but... Um, so he did an interview, and the interviewer said that there was a visible scar on his wrist, allegedly from his suicide attempt at the desert. Documentary teams have also revisited the Marabout Shrine, identifying bat skeletons and discarded personal belongings that corroborate his account. They really had to go through the lengths to be like, look, this fucking crazy guy yeah. said some shit about the desert. Like he didn't Why ask... do they care about this so much? I don't know. He didn't ask for anything. It's not like he sued the marathon guys. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, that really fucking sucked. And then... And they're like, that didn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So the survival story of Mauro Prosperi may be heard may be hard for some to believe. Even by his own account, he made choices that would have reduced his chances of survival. But after nine days in one of the hardest environments on Earth, it was like nine and a half. I just called it ten. Prosperity, round up. That's allowed. What did you say? You can round up. I like rounding allowed. up, yeah. you know? Prosperity narrowly made it to safety, and that is undeniably an impressive feat. I got to round up a lot in my life. I got one more quote in you. Yeah, I round up to three all the time. Yeah. And in a book, <laughs> Surviving the Extremes, author Kenner... Kenneth Camel, uh, who's an MD, by the way, um, <laughs> writes, quote, Mauro Prosperi was a world-class endurance runner, acclimated to the heat, injured to physical hardship through years of training and discipline. Mauro didn't lie. His body provides compelling testimony to the kind of damage the desert can inflict and, at the same time, evidence of what the body can sustain when pushed to its extremes. He competed against the desert as a decided underdog, but he won, turning in the performance of his life. So did he go? He probably went longer than the race was, right? Yeah, it was only six days. So he should have. He should have. He should have won. won. The medal, right? he I mean, he was seventh. Yeah. I mean, oh. he probably came in last. <laughs> That'd be great being the guy who's eighth, being like, really want to be seventh, and then you wake up in the morning, <laughs> you're like, oh shit, Prosperity's gone. Oh, thank God, I'm seventh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Also, I feel like this could be a very easy way for a serial killer to get away with shit. Doing an ultra marathon in a desert. Yeah, you just start lingering. Yeah. Back of the pack. Yeah. Get the slowest guy. Yeah. But I feel like serial killers always have, like, weird... They always go after, like, certain things. They don't just, like, kill... They maybe, usually maybe don't just, like, kill people to kill people. They, maybe like, their fetish is ultra-marathoners. Maybe. Yeah. I really want to, like, just gut, like, a skinny-ass, like... Yeah. Like, 2% yep. body fat human. Yep. I feel like if I had a target... If I was a serial killer, I would not go against the most fit people in the world who think it's fun to run through the But they're Sahara not, like, desert. strong. They're just, like, they have endurance. Yeah, they just have a fuck ton of endurance. Like, you ever seen, like, people that run the marathon that you can, like, see their ribs? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, they're little dudes. Yeah. yeah. And my cap does, like, ultra marathons, and he's, like, not a big guy by any means. He's yeah. just, like, can just run. Has he ever been to this one? No, he just did one in uh, Arizona, though, through the uh, desert. It was, like, a 50-mile one, and then he was, like, yeah, I could only make it 36 miles in a day. And it's, like... Dude, I can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he was like really upset. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I fucking struggle with a mile on the treadmill. Like, <laughs> But yeah, that's my uh, another survival story on the What Happened podcast. Another classic Owen banger. Thank you, ma'am. So, I just said ma'am. I meant to say man. But you know what? Fuck you. Didn't hear it. You know what? Once you're doing this, I'm going to go on Google Earth. <laughs> Uh, Apple Maps. You no, no, you got to support the small That's guys. The one with the cool support fly- the small guys. <laughs> this is the one with the cool flyover. Just saying. Anyways, oh, and I've been reading a book called Char. Called it, I've been reading a book called Chaos. Charles Manson, 
The, F, the CIA and the secret history of the 60s. Dude, you saying the title was chaos. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's all about the Man- Manson cult and all the wacky shit that he did. Yeah, he so was I, set up. Yeah, I was a... <laughs> <laughs> he was a shoo-in, you know? <laughs> he was a... Try, was a sham. Yeah, he was actually trying to go for political office, so there was all just, you know... <laughs> yeah, it was a smear campaign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so... You know, I figured we should do a story about a cult, but naturally I'm not going to do it about uh, uh, the book that I was just reading. I was just going to pull some shit off Wikipedia like I always do. We and will. So, uh, we can, I do still want to kind of – I really want to read that book after you, so I think it would be a good idea. Two sure. fresh-baked brains talking about Charles Manson, you know? Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Hey, sub- like and subscribe. Maybe we'll get to it. Anyways. Real quick, real quick, because you kept interrupting me. Didn't he have a swastika like carved on his head like right before he died? Yeah, like he went. Into Wasn't the... he like held down in prison and like they carved the swastika on his head? No, he did it. Oh, I thought he was. I thought they held him down and did it. No, he did it to himself. And That's then metal, dude. And then all the girls at the trial, they they were like fucking. They did everything that he did. So he shows up the first day with a swastika carved in his forehead, and then they show up the next day all with swastikas carved in their forehead. Dude, he should have like pierced his nipple. That way they do it next. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love fingering my ass in public. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway <laughs> so uh is this about charles manson no it, we're not, it's not about charles manson we're gonna talk about a guy called rajni yes <laughs> so my fucking boy <laughs> can we go to this town there's still people there we'll get there i really want to go no Owen, we'll get there uh, so oh uh, this you may have heard of this it was i have but Netflix not a lot documentary that's what i saw it on yeah we fucking talked about this like an hour ago listen fuck stain i forgot where i saw it <laughs> Uh, there's a Netflix documentary called Wild Wild Country. Yeah. It's, it's really good. You should it. is watch very it. good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Rajneesh, Do you think it would look good on our new OLED TV? Oh, it would look fantastic on Ooh. our 50-inch uh, uh, OLED TV. 55. 55-inch <laughs> OLED TV, 4K, you know, max lumens of 2,200 2, lumen nits at peak brightness. You know, I don't know what the grade-to-grade grade response time or the color accuracy is, but I'm pretty sure it's good. Uh, remember I was telling you this guy at the firehouse that's been telling me to get an OLED for a while? Yeah. So I finally told him I bought one. He's like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, it's a 55. He's like, yeah, I got a 75. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rajneesh was born December 11th, 1931, oh. uh, also known as Akarya. You can skip it. Akarya Rajneesh and Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Uh, and later known as Osho by uh, his affectionate close friends. Can um, I guess where he was born? Yes. India. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so he was an Indian godman, mystic, and founder of the Rajneesh movement. What does godman mean? Like uh, just someone who thinks they're god? Uh, he actually didn't, which is surprising. Did other people see him as that, though? No. And oh. we'll get there. Okay. So uh, during his lifetime, he was viewed as a controversial new religious movement leader uh, and a mystic guru. He rejected institutional religions and emphasized the importance of free thought, meditation, mindfulness, love, celebration, courage, creativity, and humor. I know what he means by love. Mm, getting it. <laughs> um, so he thought that all these qualities uh, were being suppressed by adherence to static belief systems and religious dogmas and traditions and socialization. In India, or was this already in Just the US? everywhere. Okay. All religions are all right. too rigid, and so they sort of suppress all these I mean, they definitely do. That that they, like, important. definitely legitimately do. Yeah. Um, so in the 1960s, Owen, uh, Rajneesh traveled throughout India as a public speaker and became uh, 
a very vocal critic of the mainstream political ideologies. Okay. In 1970, Rajneesh, uh, Rajneesh spent time in Mumbai uh, initiating uh, followers known as Neo Sanyasins. Oh. So Sanyasins are like this other movement that like sort of share some of his beliefs, but he had like his own like certain t- like group of sannyasins. Okay. Uh, by the late 1970s, the tension between uh, between the ruling Janata Party, uh, government, uh, yeah, Janata Party <laughs> government of Moraji Desai, uh, and the move, uh, and the movement led to a so basically <laughs> this, this fucking party and his movement were getting in beef, and that led to a curbing of the ashram's development. Uh, and a back, ta- back tax claim estimated at a $5 million. So basically, he, like... What the, who, God damn it. Fucking idiot. So, like, I'm getting text messages on. <laughs> um, Is that Tinder girl? No, it's fucking my brother. Oh, um, fucking Eric. So, yeah, basically him and his... Like, the government there are... They don't get along, and they're, like, trying to suppress him, and they find him, uh, like upwards of five million dollars for whatever reason i don't fucking know so in 1981 the rajneesh movement's effort uh, refocused on activities in the united states and rajneesh relocated to a facility known as rajneesh purim in wasco county oregon oh it's like he named it after himself yeah yeah really (laughs) um almost immediately the movement ran into conflict with county residents and the state government, and a succession of legal battles concerning the ashram's construction and continued development uh, uh, curtailed its success. What year was this? Uh, this was 1981 was when they moved in. Um, but what do these people actually believe on? So a 1972 monograph outlined Rajneesh's concept of sannyas, which is like his the movement that a lot of his people follow. Um it was to be a worldwide movement rooted in the affirmation of life, playful, joyful, and uh, based on science rather than belief and dogma. So, I don't know. He's just like, <laughs> wants to be a goofy guy, I guess. I don't know. Um, according to Rajneesh, every human being is a Buddha with the capacity for enlightenment, capable of unconditional love and of responding rather than reacting to life. Although the ego usually prevents this. Identifying with social con- uh, conditioning and creating false needs and conflicts and an illusory sense of identity that is nothing but barrier to dreams. Something tells me I'd hate this man if I ever met him. Oh, like, yeah. if he was talking to me about this shit, I'd just be like, listen, I understand you're about <laughs> peace and shit, but I'm about five seconds away from punching you in the face. <laughs> call me a Buddha motherfucker. <laughs> um, so Rajneesh uh, presented... Uh, meditation not as just a practice but as a state of awareness to be maintained in every moment a total awareness that awakens the individual from a sleep of mechanical responses conditioning by beliefs and expectations so basically it's just like you shouldn't like don't just meditate like you should walk through life as a meditation or some All shit right. like that. I don't know. Uh, he employed western uh, psychotherapy in the preparatory stages of meditation to create awareness of mental emotional patterns. Fantastic. Uh, he also did this thing called dynamic meditation, Owen, which is performed uh, with closed or blindfolded eyes. It comprises five stages, four of which are accompanied by music. You're yelling at me for looking at Google Maps. You'd fucking text someone. You were literally. I was so distracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that volcano got me. Um, What's what was the name of it? 
Vesuvius. The Mount Vesuvius? Yes. You didn't know that. No, next to Naples, Italy. You almost said Florida. You legitimately (laughs) almost said Florida. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this meditation, the first step, the meditator engages in 10 minutes of rapid breathing through the nose. Just the nose. Just the nose. What if you're sick? What if you have a stuffy nose? I have a stuffy nose right now. You can't meditate. So, I'm, I'm not... You're that, not. Just, you're not a Buddha then. That's fucking rude. <laughs> so the second ten minutes are for catharsis. Quote: Let whatever is happening happen. Laugh, shout, scream, jump, shake. Whatever you feel to do, do it. It's kind of terrifying. Can you imagine like delivering food to the like the apartment next to him or something? Yeah, just and you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next, uh, for ten minutes, one jumps up and down with fuck? arms raised, shouting "Who!" Each time uh, one lands on that's on the flat of the feet. That's good cardio right there. Yeah. Um, and for the fourth step, uh, it's a silent stage, uh, the meditator stops moving suddenly and totally, remaining completely emotionless for 15 minutes, witnessing everything that is happening. The last stage of meditation... How do you time this shit? Uh, stopwatch? Who knows? <laughs> uh, the last stage of meditation consists of 15 minutes of dancing and celebration. And guess what, Owen? We're fucking doing this. You want this is this is like forty minutes. We're not gonna do the we're we're, we're <laughs> gonna do a fast paced version. I just told you I can't breathe through my nose though. But, yeah, try your hardest, man. <laughs> hold, on, hold on. Um. So it says it's accompanied by music. Uh, you have to find non copyright music. Oh, I'm gonna find some very copyright music. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Oh, and the first one we had to breathe through our nose very quickly. Okay. <laughs> Okay, second step, catharsis. Whatever, uh, let whatever. Ah! <laughs> I scared you. Oh, we gotta let it happen, man. Just do whatever. We gotta jump. Dude, you fucking <laughs> For those of you, I screamed and he literally jumped. I gotta let it happen, man. Oh, that was good. All right, what's the next step? Okay, we gotta jump up and down. Ah. Every time you land, you gotta yell who. Okay, next is silence, right? I think it's silence. What does that mean? We gotta stop moving suddenly, remain completely motionless for 15 minutes. You're talking. Last session meditation consists with 15 minutes of singing, dancing, and music. Hey! You're at the wrong part. You get pretty thin. You might as well swim. How about yours? As well, I get it. I never get bored. Owen, do you feel enlightened? I feel winded. How did they jump for 10 minutes? So, yeah, that's what they did. Did you trademark that? I'd trademark that. Pretty cool shit, right? I feel a lot better about myself. I don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what they did. Um, he also had Ten Commandments. Nice. Um, that's not sacrilegious. Which I will read to you, Owen. Um, never obey anyone's command. Even unless, his? Oh. Unless it is also coming from within you. What the fuck? It's like, don't do anything unless you also want to do it. I gotcha. Guess. I'm so out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is no God... 
other than life itself. Which is, I don't know. <laughs> um, but who th- wrote these commandments? <laughs> he did. Uh, here's another one. Uh, truth is within you. Do not search for it elsewhere. That's pretty deep. Search within your heart. Oh, this is maybe my favorite one. Love is prayer. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, to become nothingness is the door to truth. Nothingness itself is the uh, is the means, the goal and attainment. So you're trying to be nothing, I so guess. So basically, uh, my parents shouldn't be disappointed in me? Yeah, correct. Because uh, you're nothing. You don't <laughs> be anything. Um, life is now and here. Live wakefully. Do not swim. Float. Because he's just afraid of water. I don't. I don't know. He <laughs> you doesn't... gotta get your water wings on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no one actually taught him how to swim. Um, die each moment so that you can be new each moment. Damn, that's not deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do not search that which is is. Stop and see. None of those Whoa. make really any sense to me. But those. That's because you're not a Buddha. No, everyone's a Buddha, Owen. Everyone maybe maybe the... from Budapest, but not a Buddha. <laughs> um, so uh, this, he would also like rely on these on ideology and philosophy, but or he didn't he didn't rely on ideology and philosophy, but on practices, techniques, and methods, aiming to offer every individual the chance to discover and choose their own proper religious path. Damn. The intent was to lead people into uh, an essential universal religiousness. So he's basically, he's not like, he just like do this shit and then like whatever like feels right is your is your destiny yeah. shit. And... Yeah. Um, so the movement uh, would be open to people of all religions or of none, experimenting with inner uh, methods of all religiousness uh, in their pure original form, not seeking to synthesize them, but to provide facilities whereby each might be revived, maintained, and defended. And they're lost and hidden secrets rediscovered. That was a pickle burp. Also, I I listened to what you said and I didn't follow that at all. Who cares? (laughs) Um, Get to the good shit. (laughs) So, uh, Rajneesh didn't actually make his own religion. He just wanted uh, people to like be able to explore their own spiritualism and sexuality, rigid way. I believe there was a lot of free love at this point. It was. It's nothing like as crazy as like the Manson shit. It was like banging twelve year olds all the time. Um. Also, Manson, apparently, he would, like, he would just, like, he would want to do, he would, like, get favors from people. Like, there was this uh, one, like, dude in a biker gang who, he just kept giving Manson guns in exchange for Manson just, like, being, like, here's six women, go to town. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in fact, uh, Owen, one survey conducted at Rajneesh Puram uh, said that over 70% of those who lived there stated their religious affi- uh, affiliation as none. Huh. Yeah. Uh, but that's how it started, at least in late 1981. Rajneesh, Rajneesh through his secretary, Ma Anad Sheila, um, announced the inception of, quote, religion of Rajneesh, uh, the basis of which would be fragments taken from various uh uh, discourses and interviews that Rajneesh had given over the years. In July 1983, the Rajneesh Foundation International published a 78 book entitled Rajneeshism, a introduction to Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh and his religion, even though he had stated multiple times. It's not a religion. It's not a religion. Uh, despite this book, uh, despite this, the book claimed that Rajneeshism was not a religion, but rather a religiousness religion. 
which I don't, that doesn't make any sense. I don't follow um, that. Yeah. Only a quality of love, silence, meditation, and prayerfulness, which is like just a weird way to say it, to say that it, it's a religion without religiousness. I don't know. Um, <laughs> one sociologist from the Washington State uh, University commented, quote, that the motivation for forming Rajneeshism, uh, like, uh, uh, the motivation for forming Rajneesh's teachings are not easy to determine, but might perhaps have been tied to a visa application made to the Immigration <laughs> and Naturalization Service to obtain, quote, religious worker status for him. Okay. So, so he was doing all this shit just so he could get a free visa? Yeah, pretty much. Nice. <laughs> um, so quick recap. Uh, Rajneesh is some Indian dude who won around India teaching, and eventually he gathered enough money and followers to move to Wasco County, Oregon in 1981. All right. Um, so they're doing all this religious stuff in their little town. It's not religion. They're doing all this <laughs> stuff in their little town in Oregon for a while. Uh, but they started pissing off everyone who mm, lived around them. That's Yeah, that, that's so, what I remember. So uh, yeah. the city of Antelope, Oregon, uh, became a focal point of the conflict. Uh, it was the nearest town of the ranch. And had a population of just under 60. Same. So, initially, Rajneesh's followers had purchased only a small number of lots in Antelope. Uh, more and more Rajneeshis kept moving into Antelope. And in April 1982, Antelope uh, held a vote to disincorporate itself to prevent uh, itself from being taken over. But by this time, uh, there was enough Rajneeshi residents to defeat that measure. So, basically, like... We're just like like a fuck ton of like Rajneeshis were moving in and they're like, hey, we're try can we like fucking vote so that you like we can't like we our town will be separate town. from your town? Yeah. And they lost the vote because there were so many Rajneeshis moving there. Jesus. Which like it's not hard to do. You only have sixty fucking people. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's valid. <laughs> um, in May nineteen eighty two, the residents of Rancho Rajneesh. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's a clever name. Commune or the Rancho Rajneesh commune voted to incorporate the separate city of Rajneesh Purim on the ranch. So basically, they initially bought just this one property and called it Rajneesh Purim, uh, but they uh, ended up buying a bunch of land around Antelope and wanted uh, to make it all one big city. Mm -hmm. um, apart from the control of Antelope and the land use question, there were other disputes. The commune leadership took an aggressive stance on many issues that initiated litigation against various groups and individuals. Um... In June 1983, the bombing of Hotel Rajneesh, a Rajneeshi-owned hotel in Portland by the Islamist militant group oh. Jamaat al-Fukra, uh, further heightened tensions. I would imagine. Yeah. I don't really know why this like one like Muslim terrorist group is after like this Indian dude. Yeah, this dude just vibing in Oregon, like middle of nowhere, Oregon. Yeah, he's like not even no. Yeah, it's like it. Eastern Oregon, which is just nothing. Pacific Coast West, Pacific West Coast. There it is. Um, what? <laughs> also, uh, Portland. <laughs> also, uh, the Rajneeshi started their own police force, Owen. Oh, that's sick. And they called it the Peace Force. Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. Much like they're called peace officers. Oh yeah, makes sense. Mm. Makes sense. Uh, the display of semi-automatic weapons oh, acquired Jesus. by the How? Rajneesh Purim Peace Force created an image of imminent violence. And also, it's 1983 in Oregon. Like, it's probably not hard to get a gun. But that is actually... That's, you probably just yeah. buy one for cash. Yeah. Like, you probably don't need to do background checks no, back then. that's fair. Um, at the same time, the commune was embroiled in a large range of legal disputes. Nice. Oh, With antelope? Um, at this... Oregon Attorney General B. 
uh, David B. Fron Fronmayer uh, maintained that the city was essentially a religious organization and that its incorporation thus violated the principal separation of church and state. Makes sense. So, like, you can't, like, build a, like, theocracy city over yeah, there. Yeah, like, it's not how that works. It's not yeah. the Vatican. Even though they did have their own, like, elected mayor and shit. Yeah. Like, this one Rajneesh guy, he, he was... He was in charge of everything, obviously, because mm -hmm. he's. But like, it's not a religion. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's what they argued was like, yeah. "Hey, we're not a religion. We're just like bunch legit. of dudes hanging out." Yeah, um, but even though like they had like an elected mayor, like they would just do whatever Roger yeah, said. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so in 1983, a lawsuit was filed by the state of Oregon to invalidate the city's incorporation, and many attempts to uh, expand their city further were legally blocked. Okay. The Rajneesh Purim residents believe that. The wider Oregonian community was both bigoted and suffered from religious intolerance. So nice. they're like, hey, you guys are just assholes. That's why you're, that's why we can't do this, right? Is it because I'm Indian? It's like, no, dude. It's because you're building a legal fucking town. <laughs> I mean, they actually had like a lot of like white people from the States move there. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they also like flew in a fuck ton of people I, from I, overseas. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Petitions were circulated aiming at the ridding the state of the Rajneeshis. So. Um, at, as Rajneesh himself did not speak in public during this period, his secretary and chief spokesperson, Ma Anad Sheila, became the leader of the commune. Okay. Um, so basically, she's like the only one allowed to talk to him. Yeah. Because he just like barricades himself in his house and it never Sounds leaves. like a way to live. Yeah. Um, Sheila had been with Rajneesh since India. Um, initially, after moving his people to Oregon, Rajneesh would sit uh, with the like... Initially, after moving his people to Oregon, Rajneesh was the public face of the movement. Um, every day, he'd have his followers like line up and wave at him while he drove around in the backseat of his Rolls Royce. This dude was fucking loaded, man. Apparently, jeez. Because he would, he would. At least I know in India, how, how did he get loaded like that? So though? the way that he got all the money to fly to the U.S., he had he had like this movement, and then he had everyone go out and just like. Like get jobs and stuff, mm -hmm. and they would bring, they would give him all his, all their money. Gotcha. So that's he was like, don't worry, like you're all gonna earn for me, so that I can yeah, take us all to America. Provide you guys to America. And so all yeah. the money they made, like Jesus. with this hotel and shit. Yep. And they had like a, like a wire transfer business or nice. something too, yep. like that. It all went back to the commune. And gotcha. He, that's how he afforded pocketed like everything. Rolls Royce. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he would often uh, give talks to his followers. He'd sit in this like big armchair while everyone else sat sat on the ground and just listened to him. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, but he became increasingly... that kind of gives me an image of like a king on his throne. Yeah, but right? it's not it's not a religion, like... not a theocracy. Um, so he would sit in a big area, big armchair. Uh, but he became increasingly withdrawn and eventually just like never left his house, uh, which left Sheila in charge, mm -hmm. and he, she was the only one allowed to communicate with him. So all his wants would be delegated through Sheila. Um, she did little to diffuse the conflict with Antelope, though, because, uh, employing a crude, caustic, and defensive speaking style that Love exasperated it. hostilities and attracted media attention. Nice. Yep. Um, on September 14th, 1985, Sheila and 15 to 20 other top officials abruptly left Rajneesh Purim the following week. Um, yeah, the following week, Rajneesh uh, can a press conference and publicly accused Sheila and her team of having committed crimes within and outside the commune. Okay. So, the like subsequent... what? We'll get there. Okay. Right. The subsequent uh, criminal investigation, the largest in Oregon history, confirmed that uh, a secret group had, unbeknownst to the government 
uh, officials and nearly all Rajneeshpuram residents engaged in a variety of criminal acts, including attempted murder of nice. Rajneesh's personal physician. Oh, wiretapping. I, I forget. There was something in the documentary about it, but I couldn't really find huh. it on Wikipedia. Um, yeah, they were wiretapping and bugging within the commune and within Rajneesh's home, uh, poisoning of two public officials and arson. Nice. So, after being denied building permits for Rajneesh Puram, the commu- uh, commune leadership sought to gain political control over the rest yeah, of the that's county what I remember. by yep. influencing the November 1984 county elections. Yep. yep. How would they do that, Owen? Infiltration. Infiltration. So their goal was to win these uh, two or three seats on the Wasco County Commission, uh, as well as in the sheriff's office, yep. which sounds Jesus. like a fucking terrible idea oh, to have like this fucking crazy religious dude, like the sheriff. Yeah, who is the sheriff of the county. Yeah. yeah. Um, so their attempts to influence the erection, er, erection, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, <influence your> erection. <laughs> um, their attempts to influence the election included a, the quote, share a home program. And this is the first way they started to influence it, um, in which they transported thousands of homeless people to Rajneesh Puram and attempted to register them to vote nice. to yep. inflate their constituency of voters uh, for the group's candidates. Did it work? No. Um, the Wasco County clerk countered this attempt by enforcing a regulation that required all voters to submit their qualifications when registering to vote. And, like, all these people are homeless, so they just, yes, like, don't have they have, have no home address yeah. and shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the commune leader. Oh, I already read that. Um, they also Owen purchased salmonella bacteria from a what medical supply count uh, company in Seattle, Washington. Nice. And How do you get that? They bought it from a. I can just buy salmonella. Yeah. Dude, you're gonna have a rough week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, uh, the staff like cultured uh, the fucking salmonella in a lab that they had on their fucking property love it i don't know how they got a fucking lab yep no but of course they did can't get building permits <laughs> but somehow there's a lab uh yeah exactly well this was i guess before all their shit was like blocked gotcha um and uh so they contaminated the produce at the uh, salad bars as a trial run nice um the group also tried to introduce pathogens to the dales water system the dales was like a city near where they lived. Okay, cool. Um, that had like a lot of voters. Yeah, vote against in that them. County. Yep. Yeah. Um, so just giving everyone salmonella. Yeah. <laughs> if successful, they plan to use uh, the same techniques closer to the election day. Uh, they did not carry out the second part of the plan. The commune uh, decided to boycott the election when it became clear that there is no chance they were going to win. Yeah, that they're well. No, they decided to stop the share home program when they're like, all right, this shit is just not going to work. Yeah. Um, Do they? Did those poisonings work? We'll get there. So, two visiting Wasco County commissioners were infected with uh, nice. uh, were infected via glasses of water containing salmonella bacteria during a visit to Rajneeshpuram on August 29th, nineteen eighty four. Both fell in, and one was hop- hospitalized. Fun. Um, afterwards, members of Sheila's team spread salmonella on produce in grocery stores and on doorknobs and urine urinal handles in the county courthouse Ugh. but these actions did not produce the desired effects on it just the urinals not the women's restroom as well yeah well i always kick it valid yeah. valid can't really kick a urinal i can get my leg up there Ooh, you can't that's because i always pee in the kid one uh, <laughs> that's the follow-up that's why i always get pissed on the top of it. <laughs> um 
<laughs> in September and October 1984, they contaminated the salad bars of 10 local restaurants with salmonella, Jesus. infecting 751 people. That's a lot of people. 45 people received hospital uh, treatment and all survived. Oh. So the primary, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the primary delivery tactic involved one member concealing a plastic bag containing a light brown liquid with the salmonella bacteria referred by the pet, uh, perpetrators as the salsa <laughs> <laughs> and either uh, spreading it over the food at the salad bar or pouring it into the salad dressing. Damn. Uh, Michael Skeers. Is it unflavored? Because is there flavor to salmonella? I have no idea. Right? I, I mean, I... Don't eat a lot of raw chicken, so I couldn't tell you. Ah, dude, what are you doing in your life? (laughs) So Michael Skeels, uh, who was the director of the Oregon State Public Health Laboratory at the time, said that uh, the incident provoked such a large public health investigation because it was, quote, uh, the largest food-related outbreak in the U.S. in 1984. Okay, all right. Um, Just that year, though. Just that year. 751? That's a lot of salad bar people. They only went to 10 restaurants. But that's a lot of people going to a salad bar. Yeah, I stay away from salad bars. Like, I, I, like the 99 restaurant has a salad bar. I've been there. I've never seen a soul. <laughs> uh, the, probably because of this, man. They're like, there could be salmonella yeah, in the that's fucking a good ranch. Point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the ranch. The investigation uh, identified the bacteria as salmonella enterisa typhimurium Dude, just just say salmonella just say salmonella <laughs> uh, and initially concluded that the outbreaks had been due to the food handler's poor personal hygiene um, oh bro so some for, poor fuck got fired <laughs> <laughs> yeah because workers preparing the food all uh effect or at the affected restaurants had fallen ill before most patrons had so they're like oh it must be these fucking huh. teenagers we keep hiring <laughs> by the way i found your social security card i know you're looking for that yeah i, I put it there you're welcome. Don't read that number, please. What's up? No, don't don't read that number. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to bleep it. Thank you. Oh, I'm not gonna read it out loud. Don't worry. No, <laughs> I think you meant I. You know, what, me and my photogenic, nope, photographic memory. You know. If you want my social security number, it's just six nine six nine six six nine six nine. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so they blamed all these fucking teenagers working at the uh, salad bars and shit. One of the places was called Taco Time. I think that's a great name for a restaurant. It was. <laughs> Oregon Democratic Congressman, however, James H. Weaver. The hero they didn't deserve. The hero, the we- the, we- the weaver we need, not the weaver we deserve. He continued to oh, investigate. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I said the same thing you said. You uh, said the weaver. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, that was. that's why I got mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, he continued to investigate because he believed the official's conclusion did not adequately adequately explain the facts. Um, Weaver kept asking like the CDC and other agencies to invest investigate the Rajneeshis, even though he had like very little evidence that they Against were behind him. it. Yeah. Um, months later, starting on October sixteenth, nineteen eighty five, Rajneesh himself, who had been rec- who had recently emerged from a four year period of public silence and self imposed isolation convened a press conference oh no in which he stated that sheila and 19 other commune leaders had left rajneesh Purim over the weekend and gone to europe uh he said that he had received information from the commune residents that sheila and her team had committed a number of serious crimes calling your radiator yeah that's the high-pitched whining God, that's annoying. Yeah, I gotta sleep to that, dude. See, mine just cranks out a fuck ton of heat. I wake up, dude. Mine's so loud, dude. So the sorry, sorry. Sidebar tangent, right? 
the heat is set to go to 68 at like 6.30 in the morning to make it like comfortable for people in the morning, right? And mm-hmm. then it like stops at like 7.30. I wake up every morning at like 7 in the morning to my room being like 85 and up. Do you check the thermostat? Does it like... It's at 68. Really? Yep. <laughs> Damn, dude. So fucking bad. <laughs> mine's not loud, but mine smokes yeah, dude, me mine out. Yeah, la- mine is loud as yeah, fuck. Yeah, mine smokes me the fuck out. I either have to fucking go to bed listening to this or Paul clapping cheeks in the next room. Yeah, with a 40... 40- <laughs> 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 with a literal mom. <laughs> yeah, how old is her kid, I wonder? I don't know, but like, she, when she was leaving, she's doing the dishes for us. <laughs> Wait, was she really? No. Oh, <laughs> I wish I met her. She's like, sweetie, this is a... Paige ran into her, but was too awkward and ran away. Was she hot? I don't know. Oh, only Paige saw her. I wanted to like... Well, Paige is a woman, so she's going to be like, yeah, she was pretty. But yeah. that just means that she's fugly. But if that was like me and I... Because she, she was in the kitchen. She heard them coming and she like scurried away. If that was me, I would have stood there and stared. Oh my God. I went out several times in hopes of just Aww. running into her. Yep. And like with a cup of coffee and being like, hey, yep. good night. <laughs> well, I, I, she didn't say the, the night. Oh, she didn't? She Paul left. kicks them out, dude. Paul literally was like, all right, get the fuck out. Dude, like, what a fucking gentleman. Yeah. Also, I'm done with you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think I told you this, but... My favorite part about the entire thing. <laughs> so I have audience. My I have an adjoining door with my fucking roommate, and so I can hear everything he does. Who's my cousin? Which is the funniest <laughs> part. Um, and he, he was he brought this woman over. He's fucking going to town, dude. And at one point, I just heard him go, "Oh, you're so wet." <laughs> And I was like, ugh. And then Were you in bed? Like trying to go to bed? At first I was just playing video games and then I was like, Well, I have work tomorrow. Like I gotta fucking try to go to bed. Um and then but my favorite part about the whole thing was he the entire time he was having sex with this woman, I just heard in the background and then the Sherman tanks uh, stumbled up the Rhine River and made their march into Germany. Like, he had a fucking World War II documentary on <laughs> in the, the background. background. Like, you couldn't choose, like, fucking New Girl or some, like, non-offensive yeah. sitcom. Yep. Yep. He was like, no, nah, you're going to fucking suck me off and watch, <laughs> and watch a Do you think World he's War laying there watching the documentary? He's getting dumb. harder when the fucking, like, shots of uh, MacArthur are on. <laughs> Oh, look at that B-52. It's <laughs> a fucking nice pinup gal. They made it Dude's a fucking enigma. Yeah. So, um, Rajneesh called the uh, the members that fled Rajneesh Purim uh, a gang of fascists. He said that he tried to poison his doctor and Rajneesh's female companion, as well as the Jefferson County District Attorney and the water system of the Dale. So this guy snitched on his own people? Yes. Basically, so did he not want them to do this? So we will we'll get into that. Uh, he said that he believed that they had poisoned a county commissioner and a judge and that they may have been responsible for the salmonella outbreaks in the Dales. And he invited the state and federal invest, uh, enforcement officials to the ranch to investigate. A task force was assembled and an investigation was launched on the ranch uh, that found glass vials containing salmonella, quote, bacterial discs. I don't know what that is. That's probably, it's it's probably, probably a little. Um, no, no, it's a Petri dish. Oh. Yeah, idiot. Uh, they found these things in the clinic of... you know what Ryan <laughs> uh, they found these things in the laboratory of the Rajneesh Purim medical clinic um, analysis by the center centers for disease control and prevention lab in Atlanta confirmed that the bacteria at the Rajneesh laboratory uh, were an exact match to those that sickened individuals who had eaten at local restaurants. Whoa. So, I wonder so they the connected fucking, the dots. Yeah, I wonder if the teenagers got rehired. <laughs> probably not. Um, and investig- Lives are probably ruined. They're just drug addicts in the middle of Oregon working on a ranch. Either that or they're like, well, Rajneesh is the only place I can go. That's it's a good free point. rent. 
Um, the investigation also uh, revealed experimentation at Rajneeshpuram with poisons, chemicals, and bacteria, which uh, would be carried out during the during 1984 and 1985. Jesus. Um, also, fun fact: this was the only known terrorist attack um, in which they uh, were a- like able to culture bacteria. <sighs> Like no other terrorists have ever done. People that, like so. done it themselves. They just obtained it, and that's it. Yeah, Taliban take notes. No. Um, <laughs> so the lab was described. Cut as that. A, cut that. <laughs> quote: Bacteriological freezer dryer for large scale production of microbes. Oh. Um, they went full science on this shit. Yeah, dude. Damn. Rajneesh, uh, you know, he uh, was a firm believer in science. He uh, did say that. Yeah, I did. Glad you listened. Nope. I was uh, looking at fucking volcanoes. <laughs> uh, investigators uh, found a copy of the arsonist cookbook <laughs> and literature uh, of the manufacture and usage of explosives and military bio warfare. Look, that seems like something you throw away, you know, after yeah. everything. Or once you know he snitched on you, that's probably like, I should really get rid of this book. Well, they fled like before he snitched. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Also, the Arson's Cookbook is like this book from like the 50s. It tells you how to make like napalm and thermite and shit. Yo, is that on Amazon? Copy. Is that on Amazon? <laughs> I like fires. It may be. Whoa. Um, uh, investigators believed that the commune had previously carried out similar attacks in Salem, Portland and other cities in Oregon. According to court testimony, the plotters boasted that they had attacked a nursing home and a salad bar at the Mid-Columbia Medical Center, but no such attempts were ever proven in court. They just dosed a bunch of elderly people? Yes. Yeah, I guarantee you. Uh, I can't Diarrhea say. can kill an 80-year-old real fucking quick. Yeah, yeah but here... I, I, I was just about to make a joke saying that, you, you know, for a goddamn fact, the nursing home staff wouldn't see a difference with the people. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. He's, he's the like, 80s, dude. Yeah, he's, I just... He's he's like, new patient. Clock, dude, I literally had a nurse the other day be like... Who's like this when I, I just came in and I was like, fuck off, lady. Dude. Like, your uh, patient's fucking unresponsive. Your patient just fucking overdosed on opiates somehow and you have zero fucking explanation. She's like, I just clocked in at seven. So, like, you fucking dipshit. Every medical we go on, it's the engine and the ambulance. So, like, our lieutenant is this, like, he's like almost, almost in his 60s. Like, he's been doing it forever. And we have two nursing homes in town that we always go to, and they always say that. And if they say that to me, he goes, get, then get out of here and get me someone who knows. <laughs> Every time. He gets so mad. You gotta start <laughs> screaming at people more at work. Too. Yeah. Um, like, to the point where we were leaving, the head nurse was like, can you can you please stop yelling at us? <laughs> <laughs> um, as a result of the bio, bioterrorism investigation, law enforcement and uh, law enforcement officials discovered that there had been an aborted plot by the Rajneeshis to murder... Murder Charles Charles Turner, the former U.S. attorney uh, for Oregon. Why? Just because? So this guy was against him? I think he was one of the guys who was helping. Is that a smoke alarm? What was that? What was that? No idea. That was super high-pitched. Like, that startled me. (laughs) What Uh, the fuck was that? He was one of the guys who was, I believe, helping block their attempts to further expand their compound. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so, oh, did anyone get in trouble? So the mayor of Rajneeshpuram, David Barry Knapp, turned state's evidence and gave an account of his knowledge of the salmonella attacks. The so FBI. he snitched? He did snitch. Uh, he claimed that Sheila said, quote, she had talked with Rajneesh about the plot to dec- uh, decrease voter turnout in the Dallas, uh, in the Dales by making people sick. Sheila said that Rajneesh committed it, or commented that it was not best to hurt people, 
But if a few died, not to worry. I get it. Yeah. Um, so basically this whole thing was like to get people to not be at election booths yeah, on election day. To help boost their votes so they yeah. could actually yeah. stop. Because they were so just getting... they could get into office. They were getting stonewalled the whole time, right? Yeah. Like they wouldn't let them build shit. That's really where it stemmed from. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Um, according to Nam's t- testimony, she played a... Uh, she played doubters at the commune, a tape of Rajneesh's muffled voice saying, quote, if it was necessary to do things to pre- uh, to preserve his vision, then do it. Uh, and Wait, so this bitch recorded him when she was asking him questions? Yeah, she she ha- she was like fucking wiretapping the entire Damn, and out. she's known him since India? Yeah. What a fucking whore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so <clears throat> Sheila interpreted that tape uh, to mean that uh, murder in his name was fine, yep. telling doubters, quote, not to worry, unquote, if a few people had to die. Jesus. Um, some claim that Sheila had been recording uh, Rajneesh for so long that, uh, that she was able to edit the recordings to make mm. it sound like he was in on the plot. Yep. Um, Rajneesh, the people who were, like, defending him. Yeah. Rajneesh denied his involvement uh, and put all the blame on Sheila. However, Rajneesh left Oregon by plane. Also, they had an airport there. Jesus. It's called Air Rajneesh. Yeah, wasn't he like banished or something, right? Uh, so he was, he flew to, uh, he left Oregon by plane on uh, October 27th, 1985, and he was arrested when he landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, and charged with 35 counts of deliberate uh, violations of immigration laws. Oh, that's what they got him on. Yeah, because he was he's just, just shipping people from India. Yeah, over. he was just like fly people in. Yeah. Um, as a part of the plea bargain arrangement, he pleaded guilty to two counts of making false statements to immigration officials. He received a 10 year suspended sentence. And a fine of uh, four hundred thousand U.S. dollars, um, and was deported and barred from re-entering the United States for a period of five years. That's it. Uh, yeah, um, he never he was never prosecuted for the crimes related to the salmonella attacks. Damn, pays to be rich, man. Yeah, it does. Um, Sheila, however, was arrested in Germany on October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty five. Okay. After protracted negotiations between the two governments, uh, they were extradited to the U.S reaching Portland on February 6th, 1986, where uh, she was uh, she was charged with attempting to murder Rajneesh's personal physician, first-degree assault for poisoning the judge, <coughs> secondary assault for poisoning the Dales Commissioner, Raymond Matthews, uh, and product tampering for the poisoning of the, uh, in the Dales, as well as wiretapping and immigration offenses. Huh. Uh, she received 20 years for... Is. The Rajneesh, or for the attempted murder on Rajneesh's physician, 20 years for first degree assault uh, by poisoning the judge, 10 years for second degree assault Damn, by so poisoning she's... the commissioners, uh, by poisoning Commissioner Mas- Matthews, four and a half years for wiretapping conspiracy, and five years probation for immigration fraud. So she has 54 years in jail and she's on, she's being watched for 59 years. Uh, we'll get there. Um, Sheila's green card was revoked. She moved to... Wait, 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 hold on. Uh, she was actually released on parole uh, early for good behavior. How early? Uh, I don't know. Uh, after serving 29 months... Oh, she only served 29 months of her sentence. That's it? Yeah. In a minimum, Out of 54 years? Yeah. God in a minimum damn. security women's prison. Oh. So she had like a TV and like Pong and shit. Yeah. What? Yeah. Dude, maybe we should buy some salmonella. It doesn't really seem like it's that maybe bad. Maybe we should buy some land in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sheila's green card was revoked. She moved to Switzerland, and uh, she remarried there and went on to run two nursing homes in Switzerland. Oh, that's concerning. Yeah, I find that strange because she was accused of poisoning yep. people at nursing yep. homes, but, you know. Something tells me Swiss nursing homes are a lot well, yeah, more well-maintained. Yeah. 
Um, eventually, more and more people started leaving Rajneesh Poram, and the property was sold for $3.6 million in 1991 to a construction firm. In 1996, the property was, and this is my favorite part of the story, the property was donated to Young Life, which is a Christian youth organization. Nice. Uh, since 1999, Young Life has operated a summer camp there. What? Uh, first as as the Wild Horse Canyon Camp, and later as the Washington Family Ranch. Jesus. Uh, there are two camps on the property. Uh, the primary camp, the Washington Family Ranch. Uh, Can I like, pay to stay there? Are you a youth? Because the Washington Family Ranch serves high school students, while the smaller Washington Family Ranch, uh, Creekside, um, primarily serves middle school students. Ooh. Okay, Owen just, gave <laughs> a, Owen just gave you a very creepy eyebrow raise uh, when I said the words middle schoolers. So take that as you will, audience. Uh, what an adventure, right? From the Sahara a- Desert to India to Oregon to Switzerland <laughs> to Naples. Dude, don't even try. You didn't know. You don't even know what Naples you're talking about. <laughs> Naples, Italy. Dude, it's been a long one. Yeah, it's a long episode. Uh, yeah, thanks for. If you got to the end, thanks for sticking it out. This was. Uh, yeah. This is almost an hour and a half. I just hit my mic with my face. Uh, make sure to like us on Instagram at what happened underscore pod. And um, we're still working on our Facebook and our Patreon. I, I know we've we've mentioned it, but we're getting content out there. So. Yeah. Patience is a virtue, or whatever the fuck they say. So we're working on it. We're getting there. Uh, that's all I got. Whatever.